Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Morning. I'm Melissa Hyak, sitting in for Michelle Martin. Now, with seemingly everyone in Singapore rushing overseas for their holidays, especially with the coming uh, National Day, uh, public holiday weekend and all, you might be familiar with the multi-currency mobile wallet U-Trip. Targeted at frequent travellers, U-Trip's app, which features a prepaid MasterCard, allows users to pay in more than 150 currencies at the best exchange rates and without having to pay any transaction or cross-border fees. Available in Singapore and Thailand, it's been downloaded more than one and a half million times and processed over $800 million in spending. But when travel restrictions brought travel to a standstill, our next guest, Cecilia Chu, CEO of Utrip, saw the crisis as an opportunity to bolster Utrip's neo-banking ambitions instead. Utrip began fundraising to expand into B2B payments late last year and recently launched UBiz, which aims to streamline expenses for small and medium-sized businesses in Singapore with higher spending limits and credit terms. Now, with countries opening up to travellers and businesses, Utrip plans to roll out UBiz in five other Southeast Asian countries in the next 12 months. On Money and Me this morning, I have Cecilia Chu, CEO of Utrip, to tell us more about how... The, this very innovative app is managing to emerge out of the pandemic called Slump to successfully launch such a major expansion. Okay, I should correct myself. Hi, Cecilia. Hi, Melissa. Yes. It's really great to uh, be here this morning. Yes, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Now, I was going to say I should correct myself because Utrip is the name of your first app, but it's also yes. the name of your company. Yes. Right? Yes. 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 Um, yeah. We, uh, you know, our, our our major product is Utrip, and the company name is actually U Technologies Group. Uh, we have always aimed to do more than a consumer product from the beginning. So, if you allow me, I can maybe perhaps uh, share a bit more about you know, <laughs> of why course, we, please, please. Uh, yeah, uh, why, why we started a company. So, before Utrip, for myself, I actually spent a lot of time in the U.S. for school, and then uh, working at fintech companies in China. Um, I would say around uh, 2016 in 2017, that was, you know, really the time when my co-founder and myself uh, came to Southeast Asia. And the first thing that jumped out to us immediately was how fragmented this region actually is. And, you know, it's really made up of a very different individual market across the place. And unlike the U.S. and China, where you have one huge geography for everyone to just travel around and, you know, one major currency for all business to operate mm. in here, what we find super interesting was, you know, that every person and every business would be using different currencies from time to time. And so we thought, wow, this is something very interesting and something very peculiar. And we wanted to build a borderless banking product. And so we also thought that, you know, if we can help people resolve these problems around the FX fees and, you know, mm. always giving them the best exchange rate. Mm. You know, we, we also thought, oh, if we can use technology to make it exceptionally easy and convenient to make a payment. Um, mm. Then we thought our customers would really love us. So mm-hmm. that was really the, the initial uh, premise of, you know, mm-hmm. why we get started. Mm. I have to say, I've not used your, your, your product or this uh, app yet, right? Mm. But I'm curious, how, how do you then how do you make money when you're not charging this transaction or cross-border fees? 
Yeah, so our business model is such that, you know, when whenever our customers actually choose to spend on the masterclass that we gave them and, uh, you know, or buy a insurance, uh, travel insurance uh, within our app, we actually will take a cut from the commission that uh, the merchant is paying. Mm. So in short, we earn every time when our customers actually, you know, make the decision to use our product uh, in making a payment. Um, but of course, you know, on the flip side, if they choose not to use us, it's completely free for users. Mm. There's no minimum balance you need to keep in the app. There's no dormant fee mm. uh, whatsoever. So, you know, obviously, you know, it's completely free and, you know, we don't make money when users don't use us at, at other times. So, okay, to, to be very clear on this, it sounds like what you're doing is you're making money from the merchants, but not from consumers. Yeah, absolutely. That was actually, you know, um. one of the product philosophy when we first started, um, you know, back uh, earlier when I was sharing, when I was working in China. I was one of the head of product strategy and cross-border business. I have always been looking after the cross-border business. And uh, as part of my day job, I will be studying all the uh, fintech products in China at that time. And that was six, seven years ago. You know, at that time, I think fintech wasn't a buzzword for Southeast Asia yet. And uh, what really moved me at that time was, you know, most of these consumer apps in China were actually free to use for the customers. But there was a sustainable business model behind um, by actually charging the merchants who are making profits, you know, from conducting these transactions. So um, I thought that was quite innovative as a business model. But also yeah. what they did exceptionally well uh, when I was working there was, you know, they really break down the entry barrier. You can yeah. transact as little as one yuan. Uh, they really make the uh, front end design so simple and intuitive that, you know, people of any ages can use. So um, if you look at our app today, we really bring over a lot of this philosophy uh, when, when we started a business and uh, even today. Mm. And would it be correct to assume that it is it very much to do with your previous work experience that's definitely helped you to, you know, come up with a product like this? You used to be a banker or you used to work in, at, at Citigroup, right? Yeah, so I've been in financial services actually since 2005. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I would say... Uh, uh, I'm a big believer that actually having uh, some form of uh, work experience at mm -hmm. uh, more established companies, uh, whether it's Citigroup or other banks, you know, mm -hmm. to me, I've always think, you know, that is a tremendous asset when mm -hmm. you ultimately uh, branch out to start your own business. Because, mm -hmm. you know, if I think back my experience, I actually learn a lot from, from those places. And I, I learn a lot of the ins and outs, the details of uh, the financial industry, who the players are, you know, in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the jargons we we use when we speak to one another and of course the uh, critical understanding of the com compliance aspects or uh, the regulatory aspects of the business as well and I just thought um, a lot of these experience are really foundational uh, knowledge on top of which then you know the entrepreneurial team uh, when they decide to come out and start their own can really use then you know the technology to mm. to innovate on mm. top of their foundational mm. knowledge but mm. I think you know, there are certainly uh, great assets to have that experience mm. uh, under your belt. Mm. I really value what you say um, about uh, how, you know, one can actually get a lot of, uh, how would you say, inspiration, direction, etc., you know, from working in, in established companies or actually in any company and, and not focusing just on, you know, financial services companies or, or institutions, right? But yeah. what I find interesting is that there's been a good number of entrepreneurs, successful ones at that, who have you know, 
emerged from the banking world. Like even just yesterday, you know, I had as a guest mm. on, on Money and Me, a pastry chef, right, who got mm. her start, actually. She was in banking before she went into, you know, making pastries. And, and I'm sure if you go, you know, look at uh, Straits Times uh, or Business Times, a lot of features that they have of entrepreneurs, a good number of them came from the banking industry. Does it have anything to do, you think, with the fact that, you know, people make a lot of money in banking and then after that, you know, with a, a, a safe enough nest egg, they can come out and experiment with what they want to do, uh, you know, in, with, with a passion? Yeah, I think that was a very interesting observation. Personally, I haven't seen that many. Uh, many of my banking friends actually remain uh, in the banking world because uh, exactly to your <laughs> earlier point, they make good money. So, you know, yeah. why, why leave that mm-hmm. place? Yeah, so why, um, why did you yeah. take the risk then of leaving? Because you probably had a you know, relatively good and stable income, right? Yeah, so I, I think going on to an entrepreneurial route is a deeply personal choice. So for, for myself, when I grew up, my father was a postman and my mom was a kindergarten teacher. So oh. I've always lived paycheck to paycheck mm. um, as a family. And, you know, growing up, I, I remember my dad was going to uh, any bank, actually, to, to get a small loan uh, to start his own business. Mm. And he got mm. rejected by every single one of them. And mm. Um, I think growing up in um, you know that uh, kind of that kind of environment mm. uh, of the society really gives me a worldview that mm. as a mass market consumer, I'm always underserved by established mm. uh, financial institutions. Mm. So mm. you know, when I saw all these interesting, innovative ideas when I was working in China, I just thought, wow, you know, if someone has viewed this for mm. me mm. Uh, as a you know finance company, fintech, financial institutions, however way mm. we call it, but you know, if someone has uh, have built this for me growing up, you know, I would really appreciate it. And mm. I think uh, to me, it's a very uh, personal mm. um, a choice. And, you know, I've never looked back since. I think this is precisely where I wanted to be in mm. life. It's interesting now that you're recounting your childhood uh, memory, right? Um, although your first product, you trip right, for individuals did not address, you know, what you observed as a phenomenon or at least like a situation for, for your parents. You're doing um, the service for SMEs. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. Uh, well, I would say it really comes full circle. Uh, I think life uh, a lot of times is like that. But I would say the aspiration to serve SME has always been in our vision, in our company mission as well uh, since day one. And, you know, the, the major aha moment for us to really take that step and branch into B2B was actually about uh, precisely one year uh, ago. You know, 12 months ago, if you remember last year around, you know, July and August time, um, you know, we're still not seeing any trouble. I think mm-hmm. at that time, the sentiment was still quite pessimistic. People said this pandemic could last as much as five years or forever. It was mm-hmm. quite uh, it was mm-hmm. quite a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we look at the user data across the YouTube platform, though, we found there are some, you know, super users. And these power users will keep maxing out their transaction limits on the mm-hmm. card. And we thought, wow, like the world still stands still. You know, the borders mm-hmm. were still closed. So, you know, why why that happens? And so when we, you know, decided to pick up the phone to call them up, it was very interesting. They were typically these small SME owners and, you know, they have to buy a lot of uh, supplies and inventory from overseas from time to time. And so, you know, they were actually using Utrip to save on the FX to really avoid these, uh, you know, fees or banking fees mm, that mm. Uh, they were subject to if they use other mm-hmm. products. And so 
they keep maxing out the limits and they will hold up a stack of uh, YouTube clients and say, hey, your limit is so low. I need to get my, my colleagues and family to apply for your card also. Mm. And that was really a aha moment for us. I, mm. I think that was really the moment where we felt, wow, actually, you know, in the YouTube portfolio, we have always been serving a lot of these SME payment needs already. Mm-hmm. You know, what about, you know, we actually set out, make the choice and go into that segment and build them a better product. And mm. so it was actually about a year ago that we decided to do so. And, you know, of course, we, we never look back. We just launched a product about two months ago. Very strong reception in the market. I know most of them has been a YouTube user and they know precisely our value proposition mm. around truly no effects on all the transactions that they do. And also we are giving them superior uh, commercials too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we give them 1% uncapped uh, mm-hmm. cashback on all spend. Uh, as a business, mm-hmm. it's actually hugely attractive mm-hmm. because, you know, historically, I would say as a small business, when I go to any of the banks, you know, I don't get much benefits from, from using their debit card. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we have seen great reception in the market mm-hmm. so far. We for feel co- uh, very, very blessed. For a company like yours with the products and services that you have, who are you regulated by? Is it the MAS? Or? Yeah, we are, yeah, we are absolutely regulated by the MAS. We got our own uh, major payment institution license mm-hmm. and that allow us to sort of safe keep customers money both consumer and the SMEs customers as well and mm-hmm. of course we have licenses with the MasterCard and Visa network as well because we mm-hmm. do card issuing and mm-hmm. so we have been uh, regulated since day one we take that very uh, seriously the compliance and the regulatory aspect has mm-hmm. always been uh, mm-hmm. something like uh, of very high priority for us mm-hmm. if we just focus on your business and your business model what's your what would you say is your top risk um, I, I would think that, well, I think over the last two years, the, the biggest risk is actually the macro pandemic. I still see that as, as the biggest risk to us um, from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. And when we first launched the business in late 2018, in 2019 was sort of the golden year for travel, if you remember. And mm. uh, we were having a very smooth selling in mm-hmm. the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels great. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when the pandemic come around, when the borders were shut, you know, we were impacted substantially uh, from a business. And it was certainly something that we did not foresee. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. was a deep impact. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say that would be, uh, you know, the, one of the biggest business risks. But, you know, I think now we are coming out with a much more diversified set of products. What about operations uh, risk? A stronger company. Huh? Yeah. What about operations risk? Um, from an operation standpoint, I think we have been uh, quite strong in uh, in terms of how we operate a business. I think from an operational, from an execution standpoint, we also have learned a lot of uh, great lessons throughout the past few years. Now we have a much more diversified base of employees and, and teams as well. So, you know, with the whole remote uh, and also working from home, you know, trends that we have all practiced over the last two years, I think that actually mm. makes us a more resilient organization mm. uh, to have people not based out of one place, but multiple place who can cover different time zones Mm -hmm. and who can cover different uh, geographies. And of course, it being an app, right? Um, cybersecurity is now, you know, really, really in the in focus, right? So, so how do you manage that aspect of this? You know, you're talking about uh, customer data, you're talking about business data, you know, of your merchants as well as those who use the app. What's yeah. your approach so- to it? Yeah, I think as a fintech business, part of it is a regulated business to start off with from day one. So uh, we, we definitely take, you know, the compliances 
uh, the technology risk management, cybersecurity, exceptionally seriously. So uh, not only we are regulated by the MAS and we have followed a very tight set of guidance and rules, we are also certified as a PCI DSS certification holder. We are also following a number of the ISO you know, security standards and protocols within the company. So I would say this has been something that is a priority for us and we are really taking it very seriously since day one. I'm happy to report that there hasn't been any issues, um, you know, not the wood, <laughs> but there was no issue. Uh, so so far, and I think it's really a testament of us putting it as a number one priority, almost for the company from a security and data protection standpoint, uh, since the very early days of uh, starting this company. Excellent. Thank you so much, uh, Cecilia Wuchu, for talking to us and for making Singapore the base of your operations. Thank you, Melissa. It's great to uh, speak to you. I can't wait to uh, share more about our progress going forward. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. That was Cecilia Chu, CEO of U Technology Group, the brains and muscles behind multi-currency mobile wallet U-Trip, as well as the app for SMEs, UBiz. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.